You've just tuned into Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Welcome back to Beyond Your Past. I'm your host, Matt Pappas, certified life coach specializing in overcoming anxiety and trauma recovery. And this podcast is all about helping you move forward from what holds you back. Each week, you'll hear from coaches, clinicians, and advocates who've overcome tremendous odds and are now using their journey to inspire you throughout yours. This is your place to feel validated and encouraged as you take your life back and live free from your past. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, greetings, my friend, and thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to tune into the show. And I hope that this episode inspires and encourages you on your own journey. Special welcome if you're listening to the podcast for the very first time. I hope that you'll enjoy it and perhaps check out some past episodes as well. And for those who are regular listeners, you guys rock, you're amazing, and I always appreciate the support so much. A big shout out to my incredible sponsors, inlpcenter.org, offering a world-class online neuro-linguistic programming and life coach training to people in over 70 countries. I'm honored to be able to receive my certifications from INLP Center and utilize their research and incredible training programs. And to daily recovery support, interactive daily group calls in a safe atmosphere for survivors of complex trauma, equipping you with the skills and information you can use every single day in your healing journey. Learn more about this affordable resource and get signed up at cptsdfoundation.org. If you find these podcasts helpful, please do consider subscribing, leaving a review and sharing it with your friends. That would be amazing. So my guest on the podcast today is William Poulin. William is a psychotherapist based out of London and works with clients in the areas of addiction, anxiety, trauma recovery, depression, relationship issues, and more. His approach of integrated therapy facilitates wholeness between the feeling, behavioral, cognitive, and physiological levels of functioning, and he teaches that change comes about by clearing a path to where we want to be, not forcing our way through it. William has done a TED Talk on the medicine of movement and is the creator of Dynamic Running Therapy and the author of Running with Mindfulness to Improve Low Mood, Anxiety, Stress, and Depression. During our chat, we discuss more about what Dynamic Running Therapy is, how it works, and the benefits it can provide. We also learn more about the struggles he's endured throughout his life that led him to create DRT and become a therapist. We discuss the importance of authenticity and recovery from trauma and how being stuck in a survivor mindset can keep us from moving forward and healing. All this and much more. So without further delay, let's join my chat with William Pullen right now. Uh, Matt, I'm great. Thank you very much. Feeling good. Absolutely. I am as well. I'm so glad that we were able to get everything worked out and have you here on the show. So I am so interested to learn about the running with mindfulness, your book, your TED Talk, all, all this amazing stuff that you're into right now. So before we do that, we can take a minute. You can share um, and tell everybody a little bit more of what you're about, your website and everything you're into, and then we'll jump into the, uh, to the podcast. Okay. So I'm a, a running therapist. You know, I'm one of, the, one of the first, I think, and, and certainly the first to have his own kind of running therapy, which I call dynamic running therapy. It's a fusion of mindfulness uh, talk therapy and, uh, and and running. So that's kind of what I do. I've got a a book called uh, uh, Run for Your Life here in the UK called Running with Mindfulness in the States. And I've got an app and I've done a TED talk. And yeah, you know, I'm this is this is my uh, this is my passion. Yeah, I am so interested to learn about 
um, dynamic running therapy and how it got started and the benefits of it. Cause I, when I was looking through your profile on Twitter and um, checking out the app, which I'll put all the links in, in the blog post and in the show notes for everyone, I was so intrigued because I've not really heard of this type of uh, therapy before this type of um, approach to mindfulness and um, reducing anxiety and stress and uh, working through depression. So maybe share a little bit more about, you know, how this all came about um, what your inspiration was and some of the benefits of it. And we'll just kind of dive into it. Okay, great. So, you know, I think like a lot of your listeners, I um, have a, a fairly convoluted past. Uh, I grew up a fairly dysfunctional family, and uh, which was okay. And uh, it was all going swimmingly. I was pretty resilient, actually, until I, that sort of, you know, those, those, uh, those skills that you have one day sort of run out because they're only good for a certain time period. And um, for me, that was about 11 years ago when uh, I had a, a, a kind of the nervous collapse, too strong to put it. I don't know. I had a very bad time anyway. I fell into a depression after a relationship ended. And to pull myself out of it, I went into therapy um, and I took up running because I knew it would be good for me. And, um, and I knew I needed to get out, not isolate. I knew fresh air would be good. The sun would be good. I knew enough about these things. So I forced myself out. I found somebody to run with. Together, we increased it by sort of 100 meters every day. And amazingly, I remember doing the first mile and then the first 10K. And then. But it was, it was the process of, of running with him and talking through what felt like a very overwhelming subject in my life at, the, at that time. And yet, uh, feeling that I was doing something about it, feeling like I was somehow working through it and intervening in what otherwise I'd feel rather victimized by. And that's why I decided to try and turn it into a therapy. And that's what I did during my training. And here we are. Okay, so, you know, the app is still fairly early days. Um, and uh, but, it, it, but it works. Um, I would recommend rather perhaps the book because, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it goes into a lot of detail, the book, and it has a, has a program for addressing various things. But if you're doing a book, it teaches you how to run for various subjects uh, like depression, anger. It has a whole sort of program uh, which helps you to get to know whatever mental health condition is in the book that you correspond to. Uh, uh, they're not all in there, but depression, anger, anxiety, there are about six, seven in there. And uh, they're mindful running, mindful walking, uh, some meditation stuff, something I call empathy runs, which you can see in my TEDx, which is a, a great way of working through problems with your partner or business partner. Um, or you can do it, uh, yeah, you can do it alone, or you can do it with somebody else. If you can find somebody who's, who's at a similar place in their life and, 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 and wants to share their journey and you're happy to take it in turns and you trust them and you think that they're, you know what I say, I say in the TED Talk about empathy runs, the critical thing here is not that uh, an empathy run, by the way, is where one person does the listening, one person does the talking for 10 minutes and you swap over. And I tell people that the really crucial thing here is it's about being uninterrupted for 10 minutes. And nobody wants somebody else to be, you know, trying to help them, save them, interpret, solve, none of that. Um, when you do DRT with somebody, don't feel that it's your job to 
be their therapist. It's absolutely not. It's not your job to do anything except be present. Uh, and the same with empathy runs. Just be present. Um, so it's very doable. Yeah, and I think that's a great reminder for us all is, um, you know, so often, whether no matter what we're going through, if we have somebody who, who we can confide in, who can hang out with us, whether we're walking or running or, you know, just sitting around the couch in the evening talking, just being there for someone, not not offering advice, not doing anything but listening. Oh, it's so true. I mean, the good, the great example of that, of course, is grief. You know, when you're in a state of, of grief and and you sit there, the best thing you can do is just have somebody to sit there silently because almost everything they say is going to be off key. And, and uh, you know, they'll say things to you like, and I've been down this road, uh, both I think on the receiving end and the delivery end. It's so hard to get it right. And people say things to you, you know, he fought a good fort. She, 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 you know, she's a great person. She had a great life. Or whatever it may be. And, of course, when you start to try and put those comments <laughs> through your personal experience, you know, it, it, they just come out trite and, and, and useless. What people really want, particularly with grief, it's so overwhelming, is, is just your company. You know, if you can just sit there with them, um, maybe make small talk, maybe put your arm around them. Don't start telling them about how you would advise them to take up learning piano at this point in their lives. You know? <laughs> Not good. Yeah, it's always just a wonderful reminder that when you're with someone and, you know, you are um, a safe person, a safe place for someone, just be there, just listen, because getting things off of our chest offers such clarity and, and release that, you know, working with a therapist or a coach can't always give you rather than just being a listening ear. Um, yeah, absolutely. So how did this all translate into the TED Talk and how did that come about? Um well, the the uh, TED I was just TEDx it is I was invited to do. Um, it was in Manchester. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. It was in Manchester quite recently, actually, um, at the Royal College of Music, which is a fantastic location. Great group of people. It's a really, I, it's a fantastic experience, actually. Mostly, it's there's a strange camaraderie. It's not like when you watch them. There's this, you know, there are all these great ideas, and they come across at you. Um, but kind of sometimes more inspirational than others. Uh, but what you miss out on while watching them on YouTube is the experience of actually being at one of these recordings because they're, the inspiration that, that fills the room from so many people, it's like, uh, I don't know, it's palpable. It's really, it's really exciting. Not, not necessarily because their ideas are so brilliant, but because their enthusiasm is so inspiring. You know, and people have... Like like me, you know, they've been through some ringer and their work becomes their passion. They find their voice and and they and they and it becomes their, their vocation. And you're very lucky if you get to do that. I did so many lousy jobs in my life, which I think probably contributed to uh, my meltdown. And uh, and trust me, it wasn't easy to go from the kind of jobs that I've done and the idea of myself that I had into become a psychotherapist, which is you know ninety five percent of therapists in in the UK anyway are women. So it's perceived as a as 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 a woman's job. It's uh, perhaps um, it's not particularly well paid. You know, it's not a it's a tough thing to get into. It takes a long time to build a practice. So it wasn't an easy fit. But 
like all the best things in life, you know, you push yourself through that. You come out the other side and the other side of fear and you feel fantastic for it. I feel fantastic for it. I can't believe the things that I've done. I can't believe that I did a TEDx. I mean, I did find it bloody difficult. And you'll, excuse my swearing, you'll see anybody that, that watches that TEDx, you'll see some nerves up there as I, as I talk. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm, I've, I've talked to other people who have done them and they said, it, it does seem very, very nerve wracking. But what's interesting is whenever somebody tells me that, you know, my God, I was so nervous and I don't know how I got through it. When I watch it, it looks as natural as anything. Um, so something else you kind of mentioned that, that, that struck me as well is, uh, I mean, I spent a considerable amount of time in a normal day job, nine to five kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I was an engineer for uh, you know, about 17 years before I left to kind of jump into the field of coaching and advocacy work and if you would be uh, comfortable with sharing a little bit more of about the things that you used to do, the reasons that you got into psychotherapy, how, how difficult that, that transition was. Yeah, you know, I, I, I did all sorts of things before. I worked um, in the financial district here in London. I was a real estate agent in Sarasota, Florida. Um, you know, I've, I've been a post boy in a publishing company, pushing the post around the building. Um, I've been a cabana boy, pushing, pushing up. Um, I'm, I've worked in supermarkets. Uh, I've worked in advertising agencies. Uh, um, and I worked in television. That was the last thing I did before I became a therapist. And I think that might have contributed a lot to it. It's, um, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of a superficial and, and dog-eat-dog world. So is advertising, actually. Um, by nature, you know, the, the media. Media tends not to be a, a very um, nurturing environment to work in. And yeah, you know, as I said, I had this, uh, I had this, this, uh, this meltdown, and um, knew that I wanted to try something else. And I was in therapy, as I mentioned, and, and I thought, well, let me train in therapy. I've always loved psych- psychology, and I and I know that I have a, a leaning towards it, um, and. Uh, it just, I started off slowly and it all fell into place. I mean, it was like I already spoke the language. I, I'd spent so much of my life already analyzing human behavior. You know, I'd, you have various dramas in your life and I think they, they teach you a lot. And if you, if you go looking for answers um, throughout your life, if you read books and read psychology books and, you know, practice a bit of perhaps Middle Eastern um, Oriental uh, mysticism or, or, or buddhism or whatever you you know that you learn a lot you know freud was inspired by uh, by buddhism and as was uh, young and so they all they all come together you've got a large body of knowledge and um yeah it's 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 lucky to be able to to use that in my work when you find finally kind of get into that part of your life to where you really feel like you are just in your zone, you're in your element. It's what you were called to do. It's amazing how things start to happen for you, how things fall into place, how much more you enjoy your life, even even though there's still struggles and trials and all kinds of crazy things that go on, you find yourself at, at just much more of, of a place of inner peace and really just contentment with where you are versus where you know the places you were at when you spent so long doing things that may have served you for a time, but ultimately weren't your true calling. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it's like your grandmother tells you or your mother tells you to, to you know, to follow your passion and you look at her like she's mad because <laughs> <laughs> why, why would you do that, right? How many people, 
how many people end up rich and famous following their passion, right? People who follow their passion become teachers and, 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 and woodworkers. Um, and that's what you think as a kid, uh, you know, but the greatest, the greatest riches and the greatest successes is always on a personal level. And, uh, and sometimes you're lucky enough and that does flow into a, into a public level and, 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 and you end up with a nice car or something. But, uh, no authenticity. There's a there's a power behind authenticity. There's that it, it, you know, all of you shows up. All of you's invested. All of you's, you're you're filtering yourself less, and 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 the world responds to that. I don't think I'm not even talking on some sort of, um, you know, a secret of what's that book called? The secret of uh, the one where you imagine what you want and it just comes true. So, you know, I, and, I'm, and I think that works as well, by the way, not, not because you're speaking to the universe, but because of just, you know, and maybe it does work for that reason. I, I, I'm not going to jump in and say I know. Um, but what's, what's for sure is that if you start to want something enough and you, and, and you start, and that follows with you making moves towards getting it and moves towards you believing that you've got a right to have it and you give yourself permission to be that person, et cetera, et cetera. Well, guess what? You end up at the front of the queue or, or, or further to the front of the queue than a, than a lot of people who are still sitting around thinking about it or fearful about it. You, you've moved on and you've taken the you've had the courage to put the shoes on. And and, uh, and so you've got a little bit of extra hype. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And something I was thinking about while you were talking here is, and uh, I want to get into the benefits of running with anxiety because that's, I think is going to be um, something that will hit home for a lot of listeners. But before that, when we were talking about um, authenticity and also kind of segueing into resilience, I think, as you mentioned, when you show up in the world authentically, when you find your calling, when you immerse yourself and give it a hundred percent, things start to fall in place for you, as we mentioned. But that also leads to confidence and, and, and resilience in many ways that those of us who are survivors who have been through all kinds of traumatic things in the past may not have been able to develop up until now. But I think being authentic in, you know, whether it's your job or your hobbies or your life in general can really help lead to building up your resilience and your self-confidence as well. Most definitely. And, and you know, the thing about uh, authenticity is actually being a survivor I hate to say this. I need to. I need to to, to choose this language quickly, or, or don't let your listeners jump on me before I think, before they've come. I've come to the end of my sentence. But I believe, uh, and being a survivor of one thing or another myself, and ending up with a survivor mindset, I'd say one which I still tr- struggle uh, to 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 let go of, or to relax, or to to make peace with. I think being a survivor is not a great way of living. It is, as you said, it's a great coping mechanism when you need it, when you're younger, when you're in the shit, excuse my French, when you're in trouble. Um, It's fantastic and it's necessary. And it's one of the many defense mechanisms that we have. But one day we need to put ourselves in a position in the world where hopefully we don't need to survive so much anymore. So we're in less of a dangerous position. And at that point, if we're to be happier, uh, we have to have the courage to put down some of that survivor stuff to recognize how it actually gets in the way of a lot of peace and happiness. What it comes down to is when you're a survivor, the mindsets, the thoughts, the way you live, it served you for a time. I mean, it may have even just kept you alive. Yeah. Um, you know, but as you get older, 
you start to heal more, you start to figure out who you are, you're no longer among those who are hurting you, um, you start to really kind of gain confidence, you start to thrive, you start to change your mindset of, I'm no longer in danger and I'm holding on to things that, that serve me but no longer do. How can I move forward? How can I be empowered? How can I take my life back? And that's when you get into that thriving mode and that uh, resilient mode. Well, that's what I see as my work as a therapist is to, particularly with, I mean, survivors are great examples of it because um, there are people who come into my office and they've been, you know, surviving for a long time. But life, you know, it, it impacts their relationships. It impacts their work. And they sit there and they're like, look, I don't know why it doesn't feel better and why I didn't feel better. And can you help work me through this last bit? Because I think I've done a lot of reading around it. And so we have to sort of together sort of work out how to let go a little bit, you know, how to be a little bit more playful and spontaneous and all the stuff that would have historically been dangerous. Um, you have to just get into practice today and, and, and the way to do that is to practice it and find, find outlets which are doable, find, do it at a pace which is doable, and then just build it a little bit. And it's surprising how change uh, is available to all of us. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it takes time. It takes baby steps. And, you know, it takes getting, I oftentimes refer to it as getting out of our own heads or, yeah. um, you know, getting out of our own way. And of course, you know, we have to be careful when you say that because it doesn't come out the wrong way, but inevitably it's going to at some point anyway. So, but yeah, I mean, it really is about, you know, understanding what served me before was necessary. Now it's no longer necessary. And while it's scary to release that, the world of opportunity and healing and empowerment and encouragement and confidence is just out there waiting. If we're just able to take some little steps here and there, of, of releasing what we can't control, releasing what's happened that we can't change and start to embrace the things that we can change. And man, when you can do that, just wow. I mean, wow. Since we're getting so so deep into the process or, or, or since we spent so much time touching on, on the front end of the process, I, I, it's important for your readers and important for all of us to, to remember these reversals that come. You know, your survival mindset doesn't give up easily, does it? And and there'll be moments where, my God, it'll come back, uh, and you'll uh, and it'll shame you, and it'll tell you that you know you, you should have you should have never taken these risks, and what were you thinking, and this relationship goes south, and it sends you back, or whatever it does, and and then you can lose faith. And I always try to tell my clients, you know, just just let's keep that in mind, let's keep that close, that 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 mem- that knowledge that these reversals will happen. And that we're going to be tooled and ready for it when it does happen so that it doesn't have to be catastrophic and send us, you know, off the deep end for, for a whole other year. It, we, it can be something that we can use as a, as a, a, a period of growth and, and to, to, uh, yeah, to learn from. Absolutely. I cannot agree more. I think it's, it's an inspiring way to look at being a survivor, to be a thriver, to know that, there's more to life than our past. There's more to life than what we've been hanging on to. Yeah. So uh, the last thing I want to cover here is a lot of my work revolves around overcoming anxiety. And of course, uh, we touched a little bit about the benefits of exercise and anxiety, but maybe if you could share a little bit on how your particular uh, program um, can help with those who have, who feel like they have overwhelming anxiety in their lives and just, and just the benefits of not only, you know, doing it with a partner, but perhaps doing it with yourself and just following your program. 
Well, my program is a running or walking program. If you get the book, then you'll see there's a whole chapter dedicated to uh, DRT, uh, dynamic running therapy for, for anxiety. And that'll take you on a whole journey uh, where, where you and you'll fill out bits in the book and, uh, and, and, and you'll get to know. It, it explores all sorts of questions around your anxiety, and I hope it does it in a gentle way that, 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 that doesn't actually, you know, that doesn't feel traumatic because, of course, talking about anxiety can, can provoke it and writing about it can provoke it. So I try to use a, a, a gentle and voice um, as I do in my app. Um, but fundamentally, the change that I talk about in my work, uh, in my app and my book, are both the same. One, it's about getting to know uh, who you are, what you are, how this works. So it's a lot about education and making stuff conscious. It's maybe some somewhat unconscious. And then the second thing is to learn to uh, treat yourself with gentleness and kindness and to parent yourself in ways that you may well not have been parented properly before so that you don't go and neglect the same parts of you that have been neglected already. It's your job. Uh, unfortunately, it's fallen to you to learn how to love those bits that have ended up feeling unloved or unlovable. And so um, I try to help them develop that voice to, to notice uh, negative internal dialogue and to catch it when it happens. Um, I, I would like to add a, add a note uh, to anybody who's listening to this who's interested in the app that I am at the moment working on the app. The app has been up the last couple of years, but it is down right at this moment as I'm doing some updates to it and some security stuff. It'll be back up again in three weeks or something like that. I don't know what your broadcast date is, but... Yeah, no, it's great. And actually, it, it'll probably be a good time because I'm usually about three weeks out. Thanks so much, William, for coming on the show. I know that um, the uh, time difference between you and I um, is rather large and it's about dinner time. So I don't want to keep you any longer, but I'm grateful for you to come on to share some about the um, dynamic running therapy, about your book, um, about how we can use running and your program to help with anxiety and really kind of connect with the authenticity that we've been or that has been lacking for so long in our, in our lives because of being a survivor and, and, you know, to begin to build up resilience um, through your techniques, through the information in your book and just everything that you're sharing. So thanks so much, man. I appreciate it greatly. And I'm so glad that you came on the show today. Thanks, Matt. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to beyond your past part of the mental health news radio network information shared on this podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only and is not a substitute for or supersedes professional medical help or mental health counseling. Thank you again to my sponsors, INLPcenter.org and daily recovery support. I hope you'll consider checking them out as they've joined forces to help keep the lights on here at the podcast and help beyond your past reach as many as possible with a message of hope. If you'd like to learn more about working with me as your coach, or if you're curious about what life coaching is and how it might be right for you, then head on over to beyondyourpast.com and claim your free one-hour session where we can talk about the struggles in your life in the areas of anxiety and trauma recovery and see if coaching might be a great fit for you. Thanks again for listening, and I do hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and share it with all your friends. See you next time.